Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon. The Nepalese Meditation Bowl is chiming, and that means it's time for the art of the CEO. The show for people who enjoy the challenge of business and who want to do it a little better. I am your host, Bart Jackson, the Hieronymus Bosch of business. And whether you are a veteran consultant trying to keep PR specialists on the right and profitable track, like Ken, or an environmentalist dedicating to saving America's rivers, like Anne, we're here to bring you the sage counsel of business masters to help your career and your ventures. Now, every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, The Art of the CEO streams magically through the misunderstood realms of cyberspace where you may listen and download this and all other episodes by visiting blogtalkradio.com slash theartoftheceo. I love that thing. blogtalkradio.com slash theartoftheceo. So we invite you to visit and explore for your benefit. Now, today's episode uh, is called Business Blowups. How would you handle these potential disasters? Yesterday, we're going to let you be the CEO and give you the chance to make the decisions. That's right. Today, Carol Ezzo, the charming COO of Prometheus Publishing, will read to us some of the most common and some of the most wacky challenges that we have collected from CEOs all around this terrestrial orb, and they are absolutely all true. Uh, Carol will read you the problem, and I will give you the solution as it was applied by the actual CEO, and you can uh, join in and write us at info at bartsbooks.com if you think you've got a better one, and if you do have a better one, you will win an amazing world-changing prize torn from the dungeons of Bart's Books bookstore. As a matter of fact, why don't we start off right now? Carol, do you have a a good one for us that that you can read? Sure, I do, Bart. This question comes from an official of the American Library Association who would prefer not to have her name mentioned. Uh I was being honored (laughs) with an award at our annual dinner. The head of the association by way of introducing me, rose to the podium and said, and I quote, Everyone here knows this woman. She really needs no introduction. And then he sat down. (laughs) I got up to the podium and said, Aw, thanks, Dwight, and then flustered through some sort of acceptance. So, Bart, what would you have done? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Well, first of all, I would think of using garroting wire on Dwight, but I suppose that's probably out of the uh, uh, accepted realm of response. So I think what I might do is try to reply with a little humor in my own uh, behalf. So I might want to say, thank you for that charming Intro, Dwight. It is that kind of oratory that has won Dwight the Calvin Coolidge Silence Award for for fine speaking or something to that effect. But then on a, a more serious note, uh, beforehand, uh, here's a note to everyone who is going to step up to a podium or give a talk anywhere. Number one, you r- write up a brief bio of yourself and send that to a, in this case, the editor of the American Library Association newsletter or whatever company you're speaking for, send it to that newsletter and also send a copy to Dwight, to the, anyone who might possibly be introducing you or just the head of programming so that 
you've got a few words, you've already armed your victim who is who's going to make the introduction. That's just my thought as I see it. So, Carol, now I suppose uh, right now everyone keeps saying that, that we're, we're to give these nice folks listening some utensils, but that was so much fun. Uh, so, Carol, you got another one for us? Yes, I do. All righty. This is a real challenge given us by a pharmaceutical CEO, okay. but her problem is one many leaders have faced. They should consider themselves lucky they have jobs, these two board members kept saying. I was a CEO who just wasn't getting anywhere with my board. Two of the members expressly thought their whole role was to see how much money they save by cutting expenses and personnel. So how would you deal with these cut-and-slash board members? Aha. Well, this uh, is an unfortunately very common problem that... People sort of get on a board and they feel, I, it is my role to keep a tight Scots fist on every penny. And it's not, by the way. But there are many who feel that way. And I particularly like Mike Griffith's personal solution. Now, Mike was the CEO of uh, Laureate Biopharmaceutical Services and did an excellent job with it. And what he would do is, even when there wasn't a problem, but for this particular problem, he would bring in a department head, one department head, each board meeting or every other board meeting, and a small team who had done some particularly sharp project, and he would invite them to make a presentation. Now, he put this on the agenda, and then he would sit back very quietly himself, let let the team go ahead and talk to the board. But he did give them one warning, and here is the key. He said, concentrate on not just what you're doing, but on the profit that this brings the company. So when you say this brought $10 million worth of revenue in new sales, this helped bolster our shares, whatever it is, believe me, that will shut up the scrimp and save boys in a heartbeat. So that was... Mike's solution, and I pass it on to you because it's worth a lot. Okay. Uh, but before we sail uh, along any further on our journey of great disasters and, and trying trials and tribulations uh, within the corporate world, let's take a few moments out there to supply all of our listeners with a few utensils for today's Feast of Wisdom. So first, as I always do, allow me to remind each of you hearing my voice that the good Lord has gifted you with the title and privileges of Chief Executive Officer of yourself. Now that's the most important position you'll ever hold in your career. Count on it. So I ask you, will this be the day that you take a look at your own life's routine, give it some scrutiny and see if this is really taking you where you want to be? Or will you simply continue to accept the feel of the familiar? The choice is truly yours. Now, as a second utensil, uh, we are going to, oh, it's time to take a dip into a little laughter. So we're going to take a scriptural recitation from the 101 Best Business Quips book. So let me fumble through here. Okay, here we go, here we go. This is number 27. Uh, Becoming a CEO is less of a learning curve and more akin to stepping off a ledge and being expected to fly. (laughs) So... Is an afterthought, sometimes uh, a little faltering practice helps, 
But as you listen to the disasters of your coworkers, and you and or they are a problem or a challenge, test yourself. Work out a practical solution for this imaginary problem beforehand, like some old-fashioned fire drill. The foremost preparation comes in the mind. Make your mind ready for the, whatever new challenges. Just a thought. Now, the third utensil, and perhaps we should call to this day's utensil the real pickle fork, right now we're going to give you the answers to last week's business quotation. And later today, before we leave the air, we'll broadcast another quotation, and we invite you to email us the name of the author, as you believe him or her to be. Simply write down that name and mail it on off to info at bartsbooks.com. That's I-N-F-O at B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S dot com. And if you're correct, we will send you a marvelous gift freshly emerging from the dungeons of the Bart's Books bookstore. And you'll love it, I'm sure. So the author of last week's quote, that is the individual who said, I have a solution to the traffic problem in this country. We allow no car on the road until it is paid for. <laughs> that was none other than the Western wit uh, whose lariat could always lasso the truth, Mr. Will Rogers. And by the way, folks, he made that quip in 1928. <laughs> so I'd pass that on to you. So let us return to today's Feast of Wisdom and test your ability against some more potential business disasters. Carol, what you, what you got? Can you pull out another fun trauma for us? All right, let's try the uh, global takeover. All righty. And this came from Mr. Jim Hubin, a C-suite executive for an insurance company that got bought out by a German corporation. Mm. When we heard of the takeover rumors, every one of us began shivering in our boots, looking for that little pink slip in our next pay envelope. <laughs> Everyone else began dusting off their resumes. We will hear Jim's solution in a moment, but first, what would you advise Jim to do to keep his position in the face of new management? Folks, I know a lot of, a lot of you out there have faced this. Buyouts, leverage takeovers take, happen all the time, and the question is, how are you going to respond to it? Well, let's look at what Jim did, because I've always admired this. The first thing Jim did was ignore all the rumor. There's a lot of stuff that flies around the minute there is the breath of takeover. It seems to rain fresh news stories by the hour, and everyone's scared. Ignore it. Your job is what your job is. You've got to keep doing it to the best of your ability. But the second thing is Jim heard that the firm was might be coming, so the first thing he did was he went to the web, checked out that firm, looked them all over, got the names of the officers down. And the th then, he, this is what I love, he ran to Berlitz and took a crash course in German and studied German hard. And when the new owners came to look and came to greet the American firm, the American division, Jim greeted them with a speech in German. So this was, uh, this was just, plain darn clever. And how did it end up? Well, the long story short, within a few months, they A, they kept Jim. B, they offered him a position in Germany, so Jim flew to Munich and worked there for three years. I think this is something that we all should remember. Whether we're talking to clients, 
whether we are talking to customers or uh, coworkers or bosses, greet them on their own terms in the most literal and in the emotional sense of the word. So that's my thought on that one. Carol, what do you think? Do you think, what would you do? Oh, I'm not very good at answering that, but I agree with everything that you said. <laughs> so, sorry, uh, sorry. Oh, I'm, mesmer- I'm mesmerized by your answer. Oh, yes. <laughs> Carol is very fine. I, I do tend to sort of turn people into glazed over eyes zombies when I speak. I'm not sure. It's a trait I have. I'm no, not sure. no, no, no. I was listening intently. Sorry. <laughs> Okay. Have you can you give us another one? You guys got something else? Um, I have this one is called a recipe with a dash of ethics. Stephen was the CEO of a chemical firm, a CEO who was entertaining a major client in London, and was wining and dining the client and a lady friend that he had brought along. Throughout the evening, it became clear that this woman was the client's mistress. Oh, and when it was time for Stephen and <laughs> when it was time for Stephen and the client to fly to Paris to visit the new facility, the client forcefully asked Stephen to pick up the airfare for flying to her home. So there was nothing hidden here. Everybody knew the score. But how would you have responded to the client? Oh my, oh my! This this is a little mix of uh, business and personal mores all put together. Uh, I can tell you what Stephen did, and uh, this this may not be the solution that you're looking for. Stephen valued this major client; it was the the prime client, and so he basically booked the trip, paid for the airfares for all three of them. And went on. About two months later, Stephen came, was sitting in his office, and mem- two members of the board came in. They were utterly outraged that he had done this, that he had spent the money in this way, and they had found out about her, shall we say, arrangement with the major clients. And they literally asked for his keys, fired him on the spot, and ushered him right out the door. It was, uh, shall we, to say the least, a bit of an overreaction, but it's real. This is how it happened. Now, Stephen obviously (laughs) says he would not have done this again, and actually, if you want to find out some some really good ways to handle your business in an ethical manner, you might want to turn into Stephen Payne's thenewe.com. But uh, how would I handle it? Well, the first thing I would do is... When I was asked with this forceful question, I would I try to use humor to to sort of spread things, just to, to sort of make things a little milder and mitigate it. I might say something like, uh, you know, Joe, I would gladly play for Mrs. Smith to go back to my own apartment on my own dime. I, I think that would be a marvelous idea. Uh, but in the truth, we have some real Midwestern persnickety bean counters, both on the board and in our CFO's department. And if one penny is out of place, they don't ask for whom it is. They just come down like thunder. So I'm afraid what I'm going to have to do is, on, in this particular case, uh, I'm going to have to ask uh, Miss Smith to take care of herself. There's no really good way to do this, and each case is individual. I think we all know that. 
but I think that you have to to make that's a nice way of putting forth an ethical stand on your own. Not you, you don't need to get into his individual relationship with this woman. It's you can deal with it in a strictly this is the way we do business. That's the positive approach. The negative approach of saying, you know, tut, tut, young man, you should not be playing around with, with loose women. Yeah, nah, no one needs that. It does nothing. Okay. So I pass that one on. And now, ladies and gentlemen, uh, as we, uh, before I blither on too more fully, we have come to the midpoint of our show. You are listening to the Art of the CEO radio show streaming live from blogtalkradio.com. And now that we are sort of in the midst of things of today's feast, I think it's time to take a brief survey, and it would be time for us to introduce the, that company by whose good graces we're here today. Carol, would you do the honors? Sure, and that firm is Prometheus Publishing, creator of Bart's Books Ultimate Business Guides. You may visit bartsbooks.com and explore a wide wealth of practical wisdom from business masters. And today... Prometheus Publishing invites you to come visit their bookstore and take a look at a particularly timely volume, Leadership Secrets of Hillary Clinton by Uh Rebecca Shumbaugh. Uh There are many good reasons why this woman has placed herself in a position to make a return journey to the White House. Uh Why not find out what might apply to you? And also, we invite you to keep an eye out for the Bart's Books upcoming series, The Best in the Business. Uh, concise counsel and profiles of successful masters that show how they got and stay on top. Okay. Well, ladies and gentlemen, why not visit bartsbooks.com and invest in a book? And now, all of you out there and those merry souls whose spirits lift with the budding spring, we are back to test your leadership IQ, and to find out how you would handle all these very real, all too real business blow-ups. Okay, Carol, give us a give us a toughie right here. What do you got for okay, us? Okay, Bart, this is called the Trials of Job. This leader bootstrapped one of the most successful statewide women business organizations, and it all began with disaster. In her own words, she wanted to start an organization for professional women in our state. So I lined up a series of meetings. Meeting number one, the restaurant ran out of food, and we stood around in an empty hall. Oh, jeez. Meeting number two. Yes. The next restaurant was kind and gracious until the fire broke out in the middle of our meeting, and we had to be evacuated. Oh, God, no. Meeting number three. Everyone was well-served and feeling happy until I looked out the window and watched troops of men with guns drawn and ATF on their windbreakers come in and raid our women's gathering. (laughs) So how would you take the professional women's group from there? Oh, God, you can't make this stuff up. I I would think if there was a tall cliff, it might be time for me to go to the edge and say, I'm going to take a step forward. Oh, my Lord. This, when when I I heard this, I I was actually convulsed in laughter, and and I promised that I wouldn't mention Pamela's name, so I uh, will I will not, of course, but I, this it really is true. This is how it happened, and the I will tell you what she did, and I for which she has my utmost admiration. 
she said to herself, all right, I get it. It's an omen. It ain't going to happen in some public place. So she gathered her whole family together. She put a down payment on a small house in the middle of, it was in northern New Jersey. I won't, of course, won't mention the name of, of the uh, situation, of Pamela's situation. Anyway, uh, she got the husband, uh, all three children, and everybody took the place apart. They put a new sheetrock. They made a whole new place. And she opened, within three months later, she opened up the Professional Women's Center, which went on, and that was Oh, I think it's eight years ago now, and um, she it is still thriving. She is doing very well, and so I say sometimes you just have to pick up the pieces, get in a new direction, but you always got to keep going. And so my plaudits to her, and my plaudits to all of you who have faced failure and are stepping up, bootstrapping yourself forward in a new direction. Good for you. So, okay. Oh my goodness, Carol! Uh, have you got something that that might that is a, a little less of a disaster? This is, a, this is actually very cute. Oh, okay. And challenging. All right. You're the CEO, and you notice that one of your department heads is really trying to get on your good side. Uh-huh. You okay. take it with a shrug until he offers to wash your car, <laughs> and actually shows up at your house weekly with a bucket oh, and a rag God. to scrub his way into your favor. What would you do? Oh, you know, I heard this and I didn't believe it. I, I I couldn't believe anyone could be that groveling. But it actually is true and I heard it from Gary Namy, who is the head of the anti workplace bullying task force. And his advice is something that I would not have considered and and so this is this is kind of important. He said when you have a person like that, watch him and his department very very closely because people who fawn like that to the superiors are v- very very often bullies within their own workplace purview. And sure enough, in this particular case, this fellow had half his team on Prozac. He was constantly, they viewed him as a good, tough boss, a whipcracker. And what they didn't realize is that he would actually diminish production greatly, and of course all creative ideas, because what he had done was bully and, and put the fear of God into everybody. And the re, the only real symptom that would reach the CEO was this fawning. And so I bring that up to you. You, you have to watch out for any sort of bullying, even if it's inadvertent, do take care of that. And uh, so that's 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 a new that was a new one on me that solution, and I, I pass it on. Hope you, hope it helps. How, uh, I see we're going. We have time for a few more, Carol. Uh, anything else you got uh, coming up? This is a this is a good one. It's um, called backstage backstabbing. Oh, okay. I was the chair of a book distribution company. Uh-huh. One night, the COO comes to my home and asks to see me personally. Uh-huh. Upon sitting him down in my study, he proceeds to pull out sheaves of paper and prove to me why he should instantly fire the CEO and put him in his place. Ah, I see. So this wasn't you as CEO. You didn't go to the the head of our board and, and try to get rid of me. Did you? No, I haven't been getting rid of me. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I love your I show. Yes, I, I love your show, Mark. <laughs> right. 
That's very I nice. always I, learn something on this show. Yes. Uh-huh. Well, I am too, I think, now. But anyway, not only like getting back to this. No, this this really is a, a, a vicious thing. And it, it shows the that, yes, let's get real. Backstabbing does exist in this world. It happens to us all. But I think that there, you, you can learn something from this because the, the board's solution on this, first of all, I should say, the board absolutely adored the CEO. He had expanded the company twice, two major expansions within the term of 10 years. So he was a real favorite. And the board's unanimous response toward the CEO and his offer was, we got to fire this guy. He's a troublemaker. Let's get him out of here. But the CEO stepped in. That is, the person who was attacked stepped in, and he said, no, we need Henry. Henry has a magnificent technical aspect that he is able to bring to this work. He does point A, B, and C very, very well, and we are going to make him worth his X thousand dollars salary. We're going to keep him on because he is a value to the company, and that's what really counts. And I thought to myself, hip, hip, hooray for someone who has that gumption, who has that vision to care for the company first. And and so my praise to the CEO and also my, my, my praise to the board for, for wanting to protect the CEO, but my praise to the CEO for protecting the company. So that's that's one that's one for the for the books. I think it's a good one. Uh, so and it takes true guts. So Carol, I think we have time for one or two more quick ones. Uh, have you got uh, have you got one? I'll tell you what. One there's one about uh, I remember when you were telling me you had a, a one about um a, a volcano or something like this or something. Have you got that one kicking around? Yeah, that's called um, Nature Tests Are Metal. Oh, okay. You are the CEO of a major international airline. Okay. You keep hundreds of jets and thousands of people in the air traveling around the globe until a massive volcanic eruption in Iceland <laughs> closes all flights in Europe and eastern North America. Oh, my God. Everything I around the Atlantic Ocean. I remember this. A massive sea of volcanic ash shuts down all the skies for no one knows how long. People are landing at the nearest possible airport all around half the world. The other half of the world is depending on airplanes from this area, which are now grounded. So, okay, Mr. and Mrs. CEO, what you going to do? Oh, okay. This, I was there, and I was one of the people in the air when this happened, and so this is how I first came in contact with the CEO who did it right. Most of them did it very wrong. Here was the one who did it right. Mr. Willie Walsh, who was then uh, CEO of British Airways, and that's how I met him, and let me tell you what happened. We... Uh, my wife and I landed down in the London airport, Heathrow Airport. We were supposed to have a, a moving on to, to Prague, and they said, son, you ain't going nowhere because of this volcanic um, eruption, that, as Carol explained. And so what did British Air do? A, they set up two huge lines. They directed everybody toward two huge lines. One was to rebook tickets. Uh, they didn't know when, but they, you got a voucher for a rebook ticket. The other was to pick your hotel. 
they had instantly called all the hotels around the London area in this and for their other airports all around. They had buses going out. They had, There were huge lines, as you might imagine. So they had people come around with food. They it, Within four hours, my wife and I were at an airport because they had this drill down. This was a disaster drill they had programmed for. But what was even better was two things. Number one, they kept the full staff of British Airways at the counters there and ready. Anytime you could go back, you could get throughout the days. In our, it ended up being eight days that we were stranded there uh, in London, not too not too shabby. But and we stayed at the Hilton, I might add. But the truth is, they had the full British Airways staff there at the ready to help customers. They most of the airlines just sent their people home. The other thing that Willie Walsh did was he himself joined the pilots to go up daily to check the status of the air. When could the next flight flight take off? He himself was on the front line. That's another thing. And that, both of those things, the, the, the man who leads from the front line and the man who set up all this management behind that, that to me is uh, an ideal situation. So I think that my hats off to Willie who did it right, and to some of the other airlines, I can only say shame on you. So now, as we round out today's show, allow me to leave you with today's business quotation. Our major obligation is not to mistake slogans for solutions. Who said that? Let me. And just as a hint, from World War II to the rise of technocracy, this particular man saw it all and brought it to us masterfully. So now remember, if you know the author of that particular quote, just write down the the name of the, the date of the show and the author's name as you believe it to be, and send that off to info at bartsbooks.com. I-N-F-O at B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S dot com. And you will win an absolutely astounding, life-changing gift from the bowels of Bart's Books bookstore. And finally, as a parting shot, in, uh, in the words of my wife's husband, the worker who always seconds her boss's ideas may count on always being kept in second place. Ladies and gentlemen, I thank you for enjoying the Art of the Sea radio show. And as always, it has been a privilege. I thank you.